What are the makings of a good mini lesson for writing? I'm Brett from Heinemann, and today on the podcast, we're talking with author Ralph Fletcher about the effectiveness of a good writing mini lesson, in particular, the value of having a visual in your mini lesson. Ralph is the author of a new digital resource called Get Focused, a series of 23 on-demand video writing lessons with accompanying PDFs to help students start putting the lessons into practice. Ralph likes to think of it as utilizing this resource as a co-teacher. As always, you can find a transcript of this podcast and more at blog.heineman.com. So, Ralph, you've been a professional writer for a long time. You know, you've taught lots of students how to write within a workshop model. What makes a mini-lesson so effective for helping kids learn how to write better? Well, a mini-lesson um, ideally is short and punchy. And um, I realized that, you know, most children can only absorb so much um, instruction at one time. And actually, I don't think that's just true for kids. I think it's true for adults oh, also. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've taken ski lessons, and if the instructor says, just work on these five things, you know, <laughs> you, you, you quickly get overwhelmed. Yeah. So I think that um, a mini lesson in writing um, is short. It should build the energy. And also, I also think that because writing is such a complex um, activity, I mean, there's so many things that are going on, I think that for many people, they're receptive to uh, an idea mm. of instruction. Some, just something to think about as they get going. And it's interesting to think back that, you know, I think that the mini lesson is relatively, uh, you know, in education, it's a new innovation. But I think that a lot of the reason that it's caught on is that I think teachers have seen that it is an effective way mm -hmm. to get kids to focus on something as they move, move into the writing that they're going to be doing that day. What's something that every writing mini-lesson should have? Well, a couple of things. I mean, and I can think of it from the point of view of the teacher who's delivering the mini-lesson and also for, from the student who's, who's receiving it. But um, a couple of things that, that come to my mind. First of all, the question of specificity mm -hmm. and purpose. I mean, I think that it's really helpful if we as a teacher can say in one sentence what our purpose is. Mm -hmm. What are we trying to do here? Secondly, I think it's important that we ground what we're saying in something specific. And what I'm talking about there is a model or an example. I think that's really important that we have something to show students that they can pay attention to as mm -hmm. we talk about the issue or the craft element. And then the third thing um, I think is really important to hold on to is the issue of how long it should go on. Mm -hmm. I think brevity is really important. I think there's always a tendency, and I'll talk about this some more, but I think there's such a tendency for all of us to to go on. I think that we have a tendency to kind of take an issue and just keep talking. Yeah. And then um, you could almost like, you could almost make a, a graph of the kid's interest as we keep going. <laughs> you know? And, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not going in the right direction. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I think that that's, uh, I think the brevity, and I'm talking not just to, whoever's listening, but also I'm talking to myself because yeah. I think it's something that I've noticed in myself as a life thing that, you know, just sometimes like in a mini lesson, less is better. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. Less yeah. is more. That's right. Well, and in a way too, I mean, when you're doing that, when you're doing the mini lesson, you're sort of modeling how the writing should also come through as well, right? I mean, because you don't, you, you don't want to run on sentence. You don't want too much. How, what do you think about that? Do you think this is sort of a good modeling? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about that because oftentimes with our students, you know, 
going on too long is almost not their problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I remember one of my brothers when, you know, I'm, a, I'm the oldest of a bunch of uh, siblings, but I remember one of my brothers got a piece of paper and the teacher said, this is brutally short. <laughs> and, and, you know, you laugh now because you can see for, I think, a lot of students, their pieces are fairly short. So, yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, kids are already modeling that idea of the brevity and the yeah. piece of writing. And maybe, you know, we're t- trying to get them to elaborate. But I guess the thing is that I would agree with you in the sense of, Clear thinking about something, mm-hmm. you know, try to say what you have to say, say it in a way and that that is uh, understandable. And also, just like in a good piece of writing, we if we have a generalization, we back it up with a, an example, yeah. some evidence. And so in the way, when we give kids a, a model for what we want them to think about, we're also kind of providing evidence for that uh, element of craft. Mm. So that must help them if, you, if you've got some tougher topics that, you, that you're trying to teach kids with some of the writing lessons. How have you sort of helped students work through sort of challenging ideas and sort of tough topics? Well, I think that it is definitely true that a lot of elements of craft, you know, not just what to write about, but how do you write about it? Mm. That's what I think of craft. A lot of those elements like tone, like voice like mood, and we could probably think of some other ones, they're hard to teach, Mm. frankly. And I think that also one of the reasons that they're hard to teach is that sometimes we as the the instructor don't really understand them well enough ourselves. So we may flounder around explaining them. So let's just start off with the idea that teaching some of the elements of writing um, are not always simple. It's not mm-hmm. just a, it's not like a little formula. It's something that's uh, hard to teach. Even as an adult writer who's wrestled with this in my own writing, um, I find some of these elements, like the difference between tone and mood, I, I'm not sure I could explain that in a yeah. way that 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 you know would be uh, absolutely correct. So let's start with the idea that they are hard to explain. But the the I think that. The way that I've found success is to give uh, an example. And I would say that one thing that, that I've learned is that there's a lot of power in using a student example, if mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, I mean, I mean, kids know that certain authors, you know, um, Nikki Giovanni or, you know, um, Cynthia Ryland are, are powerful writers and they are masterful with language and very important to share those kind of pieces but I think that kids listen in a different way when we show an example of student writing. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say something about that, too, because I think that sometimes this is probably an obvious thing, but it's something I had to learn and stub my toe on myself, which is that I would only use a student piece of writing to um, to portray something that's done well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I had one time I had a kid that, you know, the kind of kid who had like the rock solid ego in the class. And uh, he began all his sentences, all his Sentences begin with the letter I. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I. And, you know, it's this common thing. And I yeah. said, do you mind if I show this to the class? Because a lot of kids are wrestling with this. And he said, sure. And I shared it, but I could kind of see him crumble a little bit. Yeah, and so tough. I feel like now if somebody's going to take a bullet, I'll take it myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I want to show an example of what not to do, it's pretty easy to construct that. Yeah. But if you share a piece of writing that's done well by a student, you're honoring that piece and you're also... Um, showing them something that's accessible. They're thinking to themselves, you know, if Damien could do it, I mean, I sit next to Damien at lunch, yeah. you know, then then I could do it too. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, what, what kind of mistakes have you made when you're planning and teaching mini lessons and, and how have you sort of overcome those? Yeah. I think that one thing is 
that overly ambitious. Yeah. You know, I think that I, I, I can do a lot in a mini lesson. And you just keep forgetting that it's such a short amount of time. I mean, I really think that that whole five to seven minute, I mean, I wouldn't make a absolute arbitrary uh, l- limit there. But I think that that's kind of the the, uh, the zone you're looking for. Yeah. And so oftentimes, um, as I said before, I'm overly ambitious and then they go on too long. And I almost feel like um, <laughs> the metaphor in my mind is like looking at a uh, or having a, you know, your car in the garage mm-hmm. and the tire is slowly deflating. <laughs> and you can feel the energy in the class, and, you know, and as you're just saying, one more thing. So yeah. so I think that's one of, the, one of the things that I've had to, to learn that sometimes just to stop and let them, send them off to write. And the other thing is that, I mean... If you look at the curriculum uh, of, or just like the things that you'd like to sort of cover in a piece about writing during a year, yeah. almost at any grade, there's a lot of things on there. And so sometimes I've made the mistake of of seeing like like a kid in third, uh, let's say fourth grade, who has um, written a long piece with no paragraphs in it. Mm-hmm. And so I say to myself, okay, this would be a great time to teach paragraphing, you know, and... Um, but sometimes I think that's a mistake early on in the writing workshop because if you get kids to be paying too much attention to mechanics and grammar early mm-hmm. on, it sort of um, impedes the flow of their language. So I really do believe that, of course, those things are important, but I think that we should think strategically about when is the best time to introduce them. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes holding off those, those, uh, those mini lessons that are about more um, grammatical issues or mechanical issues is a good idea. Yeah. Um, because early on, you know, the the metaphor that I always think to myself is that I've got a great big bo- body of water, like a big, like a little a, a pool or a pond in the middle of the playground. If it's just sitting there and I had to move it, it would be a lot of work to move it. Yeah. But if the water is flowing, I can redirect it and then maybe get it going in a new direction. So I'm really trying to get the water flowing. I want to get the kids to be writing. I think fluency is really important. So I want my mini lesson to always have that underpinning of like, you can do this. And also that we're gonna we're gonna be trying stuff, you know. I think that that's sort of um, this kind of like a atmosphere of experimentation. Like let, let's see if we could try this and see what happens. Yeah. You know, and it may may not may not work that well, but yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I try stuff all the time in my writing, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, give them that space to sort of fail in in the writing, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and try something else. Yeah. How do kids react to that? Because I mean, you you've written so many books. You know, you've you've got an, an an amazing body of work. When you go into classrooms today, and kids sort of hear you sort of talk about, you know, trying and experimenting, and maybe this doesn't work, and maybe I cast that aside. Kids must really sort of students must really relate to that in a way that sort of helps with their writing, connect them to their work. Yeah, and I think that um, you're hitting on something that I think is really important, and that is the whole idea of writing with kids. Mm-hmm. So so teachers, not just sharing models of student writing, but also sharing models of your own writing. Mm-hmm. And you can laugh about this too, because like I always say that like if you're teaching second grade, the chances are good that you're probably the best writer in the class. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know this one teacher said like, I wanna, I, I'm teaching second grade because I still want to be the tallest one by the end of the year. <laughs> but I think that um, if you, as the kids get older, it's not too long before you have got some really strong writers, and it's not unrealistic to think by sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, you are not the best writer in the class. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a certain kind of humility and courage to put your piece out there as a teacher. And the kids are thinking, yeah, but, you know, Raphael could have probably done better. Yeah. And um, But I think that when you do that, 
first of all, a lot of kids don't have adults as models as writers. So mm -hmm. we, we put ourselves as a model. But also, you kind of... Um, it's like you're 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 in the you're in the community with the students. Mm -hmm. Like we're all learning about writing. Yeah, I tried this. You tried this. This worked pretty well. This didn't work so well. And so, instead of it like being like the transmission model of the teacher sort of bestowing the pearls of wisdom, it's more like we're side by side. We're all learning together. Yeah. and I think that's powerful. And, and I've said this before, but I just want to reiterate it that if the atmosphere in the classroom if it gets noisy and really um, and chaotic, which it is want to mm -hmm. do with a bunch of students <laughs> after they come in from recess or whatever. I think that you can legitimately say, hey, guys, I'm having trouble hearing myself think. And so by taking like the first couple minutes of a workshop to actually write, which can be frustrating. I mean, five minutes to write, three minutes to write is kind of just a tease in some ways. But I think it does help to settle the tone. Yeah. And, and you know, the message isn't just I want you to be quiet. The message is, what kind of environment do we need in here so we can all work? Mm -hmm. And if you write, then you have things to share with students. Yeah, um, because you're you're part of the community. Well, and it shows too that writing we're still learning as adults. Even we're we're still learning about writing. We we never really stop honing our craft and sort of growing in that in that space. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the power of a visual medium. What does the visual medium bring to the writing mini lesson? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting to think about you know what kind of people go into teaching, and, and I, I'm going to generalize here, and there's obviously many different kinds of people, but I think that, um, you know, when you go to a teacher conference and you somebody reads a beautiful poem or passage, you know, you can just look around the room, everybody's swooning and loving it. And, and I think the reason for that is that a lot of educators, certainly language arts educators, are what I would call text-based people, language people. Mm -hmm. We love words. I mean, I always joke that, like, you know, I, I can't fix a window if it get broken, but I can, you know, I, I can I can write and, and I also I speak, um, you know, when I when I do my presentations or at conferences. So we're comfortable in that textual world. I think for students, many of them, and I think this is increasingly true, are uh, image-based people. Mm -hmm. You know, the world is becoming more and more visual. Mm. Um I wrote about that in focus lessons. And so I think that, you know, we have to just recognize that, first of all. And so when we try to, try to talk about, for example, um, an issue in writing, let's just say, you know, creating a mood for the reader. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that, um, as we try to explain it using words, and I do and I have, it's not always the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. What I'm finding is that the visual world, examples from Images and pictures and photographs um, give students something that's concrete. We can all look at it, and it's a new kind of reference point. Um, and it's a it's a new way. It gives us a chance to uh, approach these issues from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Speaking of perspective, for just just the idea of like, you know, whose story is it? You know, is it like if you're writing a like a mother and a kid? Is it the kid's story? Is it the mother's story? And a photograph will often show different points of view. Mm -hmm. And so I'm finding that uh, images give us a new way to talk about, about writing. I, I guess one of the dangers when we talk about the craft of writing is that we our language can get very amorphous mm -hmm. and vague. So whatever we can do to make it specific and concrete without making it, you know, like a formulaic cookbook oh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But I think that... Good writing teachers are always trying to find that line, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
Like, for, let me give you an example. Like sure. when I wrote, um, uh, you know, uh, what a writer needs, I was talking about, um, you know, that a lot of times, if you think of a waterfall, the water going over a waterfall, you probably wouldn't want wouldn't want to start the story right at the waterfall, <laughs> although some people do. Yeah. And on the other hand, you don't want to start the piece of writing like way upstream. Yeah. I always say to kids like you should probably try to see if you can try to start the piece of writing like close enough that you can start to hear the waterfall. Yeah. And so I mean that that's uh that's an image uh and it's still I'm still using language there but I think that we have to find um we have to find tangible concrete ways to talk about uh about writing. Yeah. Well over the years you've seen teachers lead amazing mini lessons and you've seen concepts be presented to kids in new and engaging ways. Share a little bit about your new resource, Get Focused, that helps support teachers incorporating mini lessons into their curricula. Yeah, so I, um, in Get Focused, I talk about, um, I, there's 23 different uh, videos, and in each one I take an element of writing or, or an aspect of writing, and um, I do draw a lot as I talk about it, um, on images that are included in the uh, in each one of the videos. And I guess I'm hoping that those images can spark kids in a couple of ways. First of all, they can be a um, springboard into writing uh, a topic that the kid might not have thought to write about. But also, uh, as we've been talking about here, a way to talk about a lead, for example, or um, conflict mm-hmm. or tension in a piece of writing so that the photos that uh, when we took we take an issue of writing we use I use a lot of photos um, to explicate it to to uh, bring it alive mm-hmm. and um, at the same time when I end most of the videos I try to segue the kid the students into doing some of their own writing and I, it's interesting too because I received some feedback that I just want to talk about for a second um, from a, a language arts coordinator who um, heard about the product that we had worked on, and she said, um, she said, I'm a little bit hesitant to um, to to use uh, prepackaged lessons. And she said, this is, this is the interesting thing. She said, we want our teachers to come up with their own mini lessons. Mm. We want our kids to hear the mini lessons come out of the teachers, our teachers' uh, mouths. So I thought about that. And first of all, I think that she's onto something. I, I do agree that we want to empower teachers to, uh, I think Lucy Calkins used to use the phrase, to live off the land, mm. to find ways <laughs> of things just right around us yeah. that we can use to teach the element of writing. So I think that that's, that's true. And we don't want to, um, we would never advocate, you know, just relying on commercial programs. But at the same time, I think it's important to realize that uh, teachers, writing teachers are not alone. Uh, you know, we're all coming out of this pandemic and many of us have felt isolated and I think it's important to realize and to recognize that strong writing teachers and really any writing teacher, any teacher, mm-hmm. draws on other voices to teach. So, for example, when you take a poem by Langston Hughes and you share it with your kids and, you know, we talk about circular ending or whatever that's, that's modeled in that poem, the students see you, but they also see the, the poem and then the, the shadow of the, mm-hmm. the poet is also there too, the um, that person who wrote the poem. So, um, and when that happens, it seems to me that the mentor text becomes like the co-teacher of the class. Mm. You know, th- that's the way I look at it. Yeah. It's like, you, you, you're not alone. Yeah. It's like you're explaining something, but you're also relying on uh, a wonderful author. And I think that that's valuable for students when they hear that it enriches, enriches the classroom, but it's also the kids get to see that the teachers 
are co-learning with them and mm-hmm. that they're also um, they're enjoying the piece of writing and they're savoring it with them. So when I think of these videos, I think of um, I would never want to supplant the uh, the wisdom and the intelligence and you know all the things that that a, the classroom teacher sees. But I would like to be one of those co-teachers. Yeah, I'd like to. I, I think of these video offerings as a thing that a teacher could offer to the classroom as another voice to share some of the important elements of writing. Um, I've been teaching and thinking about the craft of writing for my entire writing career. I think mm-hmm. it's really important. I don't want the kids just to be writing, although that's very important. I want them to be really writing well. Yeah. You know, I think that nothing raises the quality and the energy in a classroom like when you start to see the writing improve. And that's true as a collective thing, but it's also true for the individual students. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm hoping that the uh, the ideas put forth in uh, Get Focused can help students get a grasp on the writer's craft in a new way so they can begin to bring those strategies into their own writing and they can, st- they can start to see their own writing improve in quality. Thanks to Ralph Fletcher for his time today. You can learn more about this new digital resource, Get Focus, by going to blog.heineman.com where you can check out a video sample of the on-demand lessons. You can also follow Ralph on Twitter at Fletcher Ralph, all one word, or you can visit his website, ralphletcher.com. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. It is produced and edited by Steph George, sound mixing by Steph George. Our creative producer is Lauren Audette, and our executive producer is me, Brett Whitmarsh. To learn more about the Heinemann Podcast, visit blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright Heinemann Publishing.